You're listening to DraftKings Network. I mean, this is a sport that's on the precipice of irrelevance. The games are taking over three and a half hours. Playoff games are taking over four hours. Game's too long, too slow. Who cares? This is a situation where baseball's in trouble to begin with. The MLB is officially dead. Baseball is dead. Rest in peace. <laughs> Thank you, Jake. Uh, no <laughs> Dallas here today. Uh, he's got to be locked in with the green and gold. That is a team that requires 100% focus, 100% attention. Uh, so Dallas is not on the podcast today, which feels weird. Like There's been times where he started the show and did like an hour and then he's got to catch a bus somewhere. I don't in in the starting nine years into the baseball is dead years. I can't recall. It's got to be like once or twice. If at all that I've started a podcast without Dallas feels very weird, but we've got Jay Hay in the house. We've got Jake. Obviously, we've got Joseph on the ones and twos back there. I just saw you put out. So you've been doing more. Uh, baseball doesn't exist content that aren't your long form YouTube videos. You've just been putting out more like like clips and stuff on TikTok and Instagram. What have the results been from that? Oh, our TikTok's fire as fuck. We get hella <laughs> views on TikTok. <laughs> we've been making I mean I've been making we've been making TikToks to my editor and me for like, I don't know, probably back to last season, but we've been posting a lot more. Dude, How many TikToks followers are, do you have on TikTok right now? Uh, like 260k. I think I got more views on TikTok than YouTube. If you look YouTube shorts, YouTube shorts, I have more views probably than my actual YouTube videos, which yeah, is the YouTube same thing. Shorts, as, that's like a cheat code. Do you get wait, do, you, do you get a YouTube plaque for 500k? No, bro, that's crazy. Like, think about how hard. It, like, you get a plaque for 100k, and then you don't get another one until a million. No participation trophies in this game, bro. You don't just get free shit for being decent. You got to get a mil. I get that, like, <laughs> you would get one for a million, but, like, the jump from 100K <laughs> to 500K is outrageous for a YouTuber. I mean, it depends on the YouTuber, I guess so. I mean, everyone has some people get that shit in a week, honestly. Some people... I mean, if you look at every single person who's got 500K subscribers or 100K subscribers, there's probably, uh, I don't know, like tens of thousands of people. Like they're making a lot of fucking plaques. What was the duration of time between 100K and 500K? Uh, I think two years. Yeah. See, like I like on Twitter, it's like it is the slowest fucking crawl to get like Twitter is the hardest platform to get followers on, which is why it's insane that I like, that's my best platform. Like it's fucking yeah, nuts. I, w- I would agree with that. I would agree. Twitter's like hard as fuck to get a lot of followers. Unless you've got nugs, Jay. Hey, shit, Unless man. I've nugs. been, I value every single one of my 12.6 thousand. <laughs> I'm hoping that you've got some fucking nugs about Max Scherzer. Because I I was uh, talking to Jay Hay before we came on, and I was like, the MLB condensed videos, condensed game videos that they have on the website, 
one of the more underutilized things um, that that is on MLB.com or that a baseball fan can can use. So I saw Frank the Tank's video. Shout out Frank the Tank. And he's having a full-blown meltdown about the Mets. So I saw the Frank meltdown before I got to watch the Mets games. And I watched the first game uh, of the day-night doubleheader against the Detroit Tigers in Detroit. And I'm sitting there watching. I was like, the Mets are going to win this game. I was like, why the fuck is Frank so mad? And he's saying how feeble the Mets are and the season's over and, and all this. And I was like, the, the Mets are going to win this game. And lo and behold, the Mets did not win that game. Uh, they, in fact, lost that game. But I was like, well, you know, it's a day-night doubleheader. Max Scherzer's coming back from suspension. And that guy, one of the most fiery competitors going. So if Max Scherzer gets, in his mind, wrongfully suspended for a sticky substance, uh, I would venture to guess that he's going to come out guns blazing to shove it up the asses of people that were calling him a cheater, the umpires who ejected him, the league who suspended him. Like we might see, you know, 10 plus strikeouts for Max Scherzer tonight in a in a uh, seven plus inning effort. That was not the case, unfortunately. Not so. Because <laughs> I'm a Max Scherzer guy. Yeah, no, it was not good. Three and a third, eight hits, six earned runs, one walk, only two strikeouts, gave up two home runs in a Mets loss, which again, it's worse when you consider that uh, it was against the Detroit Tigers, the lowly Detroit Tigers who were, they were out to get me yesterday. They, they came after me. I was like, fuck me. Why fuck me? I didn't, I didn't do anything. All I pointed out was that Javi Baez has been an abomination. And they were like, they were coming at me about their attendance numbers. Like, I didn't say anything about your fucking attendance numbers. I didn't fucking say anything. Although, before we get into the, the Max Scherzer stuff, Cardinal fans, we've got your voicemails. And I was floored when I asked Jake. I was like, how many? Because that Cardinals, one of those fan bases, for whatever reason, I don't see a ton of interaction with them on Twitter. So in my mind, a vast majority of our listening audience comes from Twitter. And if I don't hear from Cardinal fans on Twitter that often, I'm not going to say that I don't hear from them at all. I hear from some of them. But was blown away when Jake was like, yeah, we got over 100 fucking voicemails from Cardinal fans. And we put out the voicemail number yesterday. Like our last podcast was. Yesterday, it was yesterday, yesterday, it was the last podcast was yesterday. It was so good. but It was great. But we had the we had the number out there for less than 24 hours is what I'm trying to say. Uh, and we collected over 100 voicemails from Cardinal fans, which I was very surprised by that number. So. After this uh, Max Scherzer discussion, we'll get into a couple Cardinals voicemails and then kind of what we're going to do anytime we open up the voicemail lines for a certain fan base, what we did with the White Sox, we'll give you some live, we'll react to some of them live, but then we will leave you with a reel of uh, the best of the best as an as an outro to the show. So stay tuned, Cardinal fans, you asked for it, you got it, the voicemail lines are over, uh, but Jay Hay. I would assume that you have got some Max Scherzer nugs to get into uh, today. I do. And I know Joey's got some spin rate stuff that he's going to get to. Uh, so I'm going to leave that for him. I, to me, this is like, this is more about, this is goes beyond substance use. This goes back to last season 
last seven starts. We talked about it like, I don't know, five or six podcasts ago when he was giving up all those homers. Really hasn't stopped. 6.82 ERA, 9.56 OPS allowed, and 12 home runs over those seven starts. For a little bit of context, he'd allowed 11 homers over his previous 22 starts in 2022. Um, Overall strikeout rate is in a troubling spot. It's 20.8%. It basically has never been below 30%. Um, As we know, Max Scherzer, his four-seamer is getting knocked around. Batters are hitting 342 off of it with a 605 slugging percentage that continued last night. Um, I... I don't pretend to know about the stick, like the substance stuff and what that's going, how that impacts and to what degree he was cheating versus not cheating and where the line is with Major League Baseball. But I do know that these numbers are alarming regardless of what the reason is. And if it's age related decline and he's just not as good as he used to be, that's a massive problem for the Mets. And if it's substance related and he can't use it and that's why he's declining, that's a huge problem for the Mets. So I just, there's no silver lining here for me, I don't think, <laughs> as it relates mm-hmm. to Max Scherzer. <laughs> the New York Mets, uh, just for reference, just for reference, I'm not trying to pour on here, because if you are a Mets fan listening to this, you're probably going to feel targeted. But if you're a neutral baseball fan, if you're a fan of another team that is not the Mets and you just you're curious because it's a fascinating scenario, uh, the New York Mets are paying Max Scherzer. $43,333,333 this season. And they will pay him that exact same rate next season as well. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. See, say that one more time. Say that one more time. How much is he making this year? $43,333,333 this year as well as next year. <clears throat> so. Damn, bro. I'm not trying to pour the on Oakland A's. To... The Oakland A's roster is worth fifty nine million. Damn, that's that's higher than I would have guessed. Honestly, <laughs> fuck, bro. That's pretty close to Scherzer, man. Thirteen yeah. mil off. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of funny things you could do with that. Like, what other teams are paying what players? How much compared to one contract? We're not going to do that here. We're going to respect the Mets. Listen, if you got money, spend it. I'm not going to shame you for spending money. Of course. No, but they have about $90 million invested in Scherzer and Verlander, and one of those guys looks like a shell of him, his former self, and the other guy hasn't pitched yet. And granted, he's going to pitch later today, but like that's, that's how this rotation is supposed to work. And we talked about how exciting it could be to have two inner circle Hall of Fame pitchers on your roster, uh, but we also talked about how it might play out <clears throat> that they're both nearing 40 years old. Um, and right now, the downside has played out much more than the upside, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. It's not what I want to see, personally. I like to watch Mets games. I like the booth. I like tuning in for the team. It's fun when the Mets are good. They may still be good, but I think this was really disconcerting. Yeah, it, it I, begs the question. Is like, is the Marlins a more fun team to watch now? Like, If you look at the standings, they're tied. Oh, so no, I can't That's kind that. of the debate that we could have <laughs> that now. Is, uh, who's better? I can't go. That there. is, yeah. I feel like now you're being a bully, Joe. <laughs> now you're bullying Mets. We had a nice little Marlins discussion yesterday. Um, but to Jay Hayes' point, I do still think the Mets will be good this year. But I would be lying if I told you I wasn't concerned about Max Scherzer. And we'll see with Justin Verlander. He'll be taking the mound in just mere hours. It's a 
I believe a 105 start. <clears throat> Justin Verlander versus my guy, Eddie Rodriguez for the the Detroit Tigers, who's been pitching well of late. But that, that was looking like that was going to be a disastrous situation for a little while where he was just like, I'm fucking leaving. Like, I'm not I'm not even on the team. And then he came back and now he's pitching really well. But uh, on the subject of Max Scherzer, yeah, of course you have to be concerned because this kind of goes back a couple postseasons ago uh, when he when he was with the Dodgers and he ran out of gas down the line. And what was that? Twenty one. Right. Fell apart towards the end two years ago. And that was a that wasn't like an injury thing. It just seemed like a, you know, an aging starter with a lot of miles on him. And you get to a certain point in the season where it's like, hey, I'm out of gas a lot sooner than I used to be. And yeah, even going back to 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His World Series run. He was pitching on fumes. He was hurt for that. Uh, but he was. He was a little bit younger. You're able to kind of push through stuff like that. You're able to recover a little bit faster. Not that he was a spring chicken in 19, but he was certainly younger. That is how time works. But yeah, I I would have concerns about Scherzer. I'm not going to throw up the, the W on him. I'm not going to call him washed just yet. But yeah, that is something that if you've been paying attention, not just during his Mets tenure, like this goes back a couple organizations where you start to see some bends and some breaks and some sputtering going on. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm not to, to, to kind of bring it on home about whether or not you're worried about the Mets. Let's see what Justin Verlander looks like. Dude, dude can still toss. Uh, we saw him in his last rehab start look really good there. So I, I have high hopes for Justin Verlander kind of coming in and being able to pick up the pace here. It is interesting, though, that you've got the uh, return of Scherzer and Verlander happening in Detroit, where it all started, back where it all started. Isn't that poetic? <laughs> it would be poetic if the Tigers sweep them. That would oh. be poetic to me. That would be some Mozart oh. stuff. <laughs> so, uh, Mozart was a composer. He wasn't a poet. Uh, yeah, but, you know, he actually did it on the side a little bit. Oh, but... he did a little poetry on the side? <laughs> I, I wouldn't expect most people, like, uh, I know, our, you know, you guys aren't as uh, distinguished as some guys like me, but, like, right. he did do some stuff on the side. <laughs> he just going on. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when firefighters are also electricians. Like, he was, he was a musical composer, but he also did some poetry on the side. And yeah, he's a firefighter too. Mm-hmm. And he's so, a firefighter. Yeah, he did it all. Yeah. But I just want to touch on the spin rates real quick because that's kind of been like I think the thing a lot of people have been talking about. Scherzer's spin rates were down yesterday. Mm-hmm. His velocity was down pretty much every pitch. He was by, like ninety two. Yeah, his fastball was down a half a mile per hour, and you know I don't know the ratio of what you expect spin rate to go down with uh with velocity. Like if your fastball's down. One miles per hour. I don't think it's the same for everyone. I think it should be. I don't think spin rate should go down a hundred. Maybe I think it's around fifty, from what I remember. His spin rates were down, but I don't think it's anything crazy. I don't. I think what Jay was saying earlier. I don't think if Scherzer sucks, it's not going to be because he can't use sticky substance. He probably still could use sticky substance if he wasn't using it yesterday. He wasn't using spider tech or some crazy shit. The guy was using 
probably sweat and rosin. That's not going to be the biggest thing, but it is interesting. You got to put a bookmark in that. But like, why can't he still use it? There's only one umpire who calls it. I mean, that is true. It's like <laughs> <laughs> if it, if you ain't got Phil Cuzzy back there, you're probably good to go. So I don't want people to say, "Oh, Scherzer is a cheater and he can't pitch without uh, sticky substance." I don't think there's any real evidence to say that. No, um, the guy's old as shit. So if he does bad, it's that's probably the main reason. You well, know? I mean, I would like to see like a deeper dive because. He was never named as a sticky stuff guy during the crackdown. Like they, it wasn't someone that once once they started to actually um, do sticky checks that his spin rate numbers just plummeted. He wasn't one of those guys, was he? No. And I also don't understand how it would explain the timeline of his struggles generally, because it does. It's not as I said, it's not limited to this season. It really, if we're talking about a narrative, it really works better as an age-related just kind of guy falling off than it does a guy who magically got caught with sticky stuff on his hands and then couldn't pitch. Like, the struggles were leading up to the suspension, and then the struggles continued after the suspension. So why are we, not we as the podcast, but like, why are we as a baseball community focused on the thing that right now seems to have almost no correlation with whether or not he pitches well. I, I don't know. It's yeah. I think it's more to just illustrate the point that there is no correlation. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think, um, yeah, I never, I, but there never are people like, there are people out there like using the term cheater and saying that because he was bad last night in his first start back, that those just gotta be Mets haters though. Yeah, I guess <laughs> maybe it's, maybe it's just a loud minority. It just seems. And crazy. I, I I, I could see where they're coming from. The spin rates are down, but they're not down crazy numbers. Like you see people like 600. There's really RPM. only. Yeah, there's really only I would say maybe like 15 to 20 pitchers who really got fucked by foreign substance. It's very few people you can say like that had a big impact on their career. I think it's still even the biggest examples. It's kind of a fringe thing for you to really suck because you can't use spider tech. Most people are not even using it. If you're seeing a 200, 300 uh, RPM drop, then you can say that. But yeah, like 80 to 100 RPMs down, that's not going to take your ERA from two to four overnight. Mm -hmm. Don't see that. I agree. Yeah. I also think if in in an alternate universe, if Max Scherzer never left the Nats, people aren't talking about Max Scherzer cheating with sticky stuff as much. Like oh no, dude! With the Dodgers, like people hate the Dodgers. When it goes to the Mets, people hate the Mets. So, yeah, I think that that's a that's a big big part of it. Um, But we'll see. I mean, he's it's still only May fourth. He's a veteran. He's a multi-time Cy Young Award winner. There's still time for him to figure it out. But to Jay Hay's point, it may not be about figuring it out. Like he may just be declining. Like he is fucking. Is he thirty nine yet? Or he'll be thirty nine soon. Max Scherzer is thirty eight. He'll be thirty nine in July. Like hello. Like how long did you think the ride was going to last for? The Mets are desperate to win a championship. Steve Cohen wants to make an impact, make an impression, and the allure of bringing in 
a guy like Max Scherzer, first ballot Hall of Famer. He's got all the hardware that you could ask for. He's got the ring. He's got the the Cy Young uh, awards. You bring that guy in, but then you uh, you ask yourself on the surface, was that smart to give this guy who's in his late 30s $43.3 million a year? This was one of the risks. The reward was that he is a Cy Young caliber pitcher. Maybe he's not winning Cy Young awards because he's almost 40, but there's a, maybe it's a gradual decline and a gradual decline of Max Scherzer, if it is gradual, is still better than most pitchers in the league. If he's not the best, a gradual decline would have you somewhere, I don't know, top 10 pitcher, top 20 pitcher. I'll fucking pay for that. Sure, I'm fucking Steve Cohen. But it's not been gradual. It has been quite the fall off. And how many innings are we talking about? Like, what was your sample size, Jay? Hey? It was about 33 innings. 33 innings. Yeah. Okay. So seven starts. Yeah. So seven starts, you're talking about uh, like 20% of, of a big league season? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, it's not, it's not, you know, we're not talking about a, a full season or anything like that, but it's a nice chunk. Um, so we'll see what happens. I think that this is more of a wait and see than a let's close the book on Max Scherzer ever being good again. But for what we have seen, the sample that we do have, it ain't great. And it's I don't think that you're not going to have a conversation. Is he tipping pitches? Is this mechanics? Like it may just be as simple as he's fucking old. <laughs> it's, it's, it's what happens. It's what happens to old people. Blue, they die. So we'll see. We'll see. Um. All right, before we get into anything else, the Cardinal voicemails are coming. But I did want to talk about my parlay last night that I got fucked on. Uh, The baseball season is in full swing. Whether you're rooting for the home team or betting on your favorite player, DraftKings Sportsbook has got you covered uh, all for all the season's action. Right now, new customers can place a $5 bet and get $150 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, everyone can hit one out of the park. With the DraftKings stepped up same game parlays, boost your winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. I had the over on Shohei Otani's strikeouts, like seven and a half. He tied a career high with 13. Um, I had a nerfy in the Cubs Nats game because I was like, yeah, Marcus Stroman has a zero ERA in the first inning this year. Stroman uh, kept his side of the bargain going, but then you had a major league debut happening on the other side, allowed a run. Uh, Irvin for the Nats gave up a run in the first. So that kind of fucked me. And then I was like, I would like Luis Arias to be part of this parlay. Arias to get a hit. And then I was told, I mean, the guy's hitting fucking 500 something. So you have to, you can't just do, you can't just pick him to get a hit. Like you got to do over one and a half. I was like, fuck. But all right. Yeah. I mean, I, I still like over one and a half. He got one hit. So <clears throat> it didn't work out for me this time. But next week, I will be back, and I will claim victory. Join the big league action right now on DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app, sign up with the promo code Jared. New customers can bet just $5 on any bet and get $150 in bonus bets instantly only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code Jared, J-A-R-E-D on that promo code. Uh, yeah, so people were asking me last week because I put the... like I, I, Before, I, I just used to put my bet slips out, and people were like, oh, don't take the bet. Like He doesn't even bet them. And now I 
uh, I do bet them. I do take my own parlays. Uh, and I started to because I always if I put out a parlay, I always research it like there's I don't just throw fucking a, a dart at the wall and be like, yeah, OK, like I like this fucking nerfy. Um, so now I'm putting my explanations behind why I am uh, taking these bets. So hopefully. Hopefully that leads to a W. Hopefully more people are uh, are riding with me. I need the support. I need the support. We got to get off the schneid here. Parlays are hard. They are, but there is a path to success. Um, okay, Jake, our first Cardinals voicemail. Who, by the way, before we get into the first voicemail, uh, just to recap, I said this past weekend, if you guys lose a series to the Dodgers, I will open up the phone lines. They got swept, and last night they played the Angels. They had a lead in the ninth inning. Jake Lamb, a pinch hit home run to tie it. And then you had Mike Trout, of all people, hit the go-ahead home run. I think Shohei doubled after that. There was like three extra base hits in the ninth off Gallegos. Uh, final score, I believe, was six to four. Uh, they, they even got to Shohei. For, for, and we'll, we'll talk about Shohei in a little bit. But they got to Shohei. This was not a... Like for for a career high tying thirteen strikeout performance, this was not a start where it, it, he dominated. Still gave up two bombs and four in runs in this game. Um, only for the Cardinals to lose once again. Jake, the voicemail. Live update from Bush Stadium. Time to sell the team. Trout just hit a go ahead home run. I don't know what to do with myself. Otani doubled. Do I root for them? I'm in a depressed state, but I've also watched two great Homer. Fuck the Cardinals. Fuck Ollie. Fuck John Moselec. Fuck all you guys. Put a winning team on the field. Or don't show up. We're not the Oakland Athletics. Mm. (laughs) Jeez. Can we comment on that for a second? Please. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Outrageous to say sell the team. It's been one Fuck month it, of well. losing baseball. Fuck it, like dude. this is one of Fuck the most it, stable organizations, not only in <laughs> baseball, but in pro fucking sports. And <laughs> it's been they're 10 and 20. It's been a bad 31 games, a fifth yeah. of a baseball season. And they're saying, Fuck everyone, sell the team. Like just <laughs> you, you you've lost all perspective. You know what it is, Jay Hay? It's it's like an Aladdin when Jasmine has lived like in the palace her whole life. And then she meets Aladdin and she dresses up like a poor person and they're walking the street. Like she just wants to live the life of a poor person. That's like, ex- she only knows the rich palace life. And now Cardinals fans are seeing all of the fun that A's fans and White Sox fans are having, calling for people to get fired, calling for people to sell the team. The Cardinals have been a stable, like you said, organization with a winning history and tradition of winning baseball for so long that they just want a taste of being angry, outraged fans. That's what this is. I think you're 100% correct. I think it's basically <laughs> cosplaying uh, being a loser. It's like yeah. it's it's boring to win 85 to 95 games every year and be respectable and competitive and maybe, maybe a little bit boring, right? As a team, mm-hmm. um, it's much more fun to be aggrieved 
and feel like you have something to complain about, at least on the sh- in the short term. Uh, I think you're onto something there for sure. Yeah, it is. It is kind of like because I've I've lived only on both ends of the spectrum. The Red Sox are either World Series champs or last place. And it's peaks and valleys. And it's not even errors. It's not even like, oh, we had like a an upward trajectory of championships. And then there was like the downward plunge of last place seasons. No, like we just finished in last place one year, win the World Series the next year, and then finish in last place for two years, then win four straight division titles in a World Series. Like it's it's the fucking roller coaster of Major League Baseball as being a Red Sox fan. Only one end of the spectrum that we exist on. And I will say that as a fan of a team that has won more championships than any other organization in the sport since 2004, I, you know, there, there is this visceral primal release that you get when you are lashing out against your team and everyone is agreeing with you. I, like you have to scream at the top of your lungs about all the things that plague you as a fan. And then everyone's like, yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Like that's there's, it feels rewarding sometimes. I get it. I, there are, I'm not even beginning to say that there are not things that fans of the Cardinals can't take issue with about ownership or the front office, or how the team is being managed. Those, um, there are plenty of legitimate things to say about that, I'm sure. <coughs> but what I'm not accepting is calls to burn it all down <laughs> for like the, the second most successful franchise in fucking Major League Baseball history because of a bad April in 2023. Sorry. Next call, Jake. One more call. <laughs> there it is again. Fucking Mike Trout against Giovanni Gallegos. Guy has only given up one fucking run in the entire month of April. One run. Mike Trout goes deep on him. Joey doubles. The other guy doubles. Who fucking cares? It's the same team as last year. It's the same team as last year. With Wilson Contreras instead of a 40-year-old Yachty. How are we worse? How are we this much worse? How are the pirates? Did they fucking monster our asses? Did they fucking take our powers? Did they take Nolan Arenado's power? They can't get a fucking hit anymore. Goldschmidt's still a stud. Gorman's a monster. Why are we bad? Well, Nolan hasn't are- been good. Oh, oh, he was still going. He just How took a bad? second to think. How are we bad? <laughs> it's a good team. Why are we bad? <laughs> Uh, Nolan Arenado did hit a double off of Shohei last night. Was but was probably his hardest hit ball uh, in two weeks, three weeks. And I completely forgot that he had gotten hurt in the World Baseball Classic. Didn't he get hit on the hand and he like had like the MRI? But I talked to him that night. He was like, "Yeah, no, like I'm good." So I don't know that it ties back to the World Baseball Classic. Um, but he did. He did have a double off of Shohei Otani last night. It was a hard hit ball. So maybe that's a sign of things to come. I hope it is. Because if he's not going, the Cardinals are certainly not going to go. But again, we're seeing it now with the Phillies. Bryce Harper was on base five fucking times last night. Had three for three, couple doubles. Phillies still lost. It takes more than one guy. To the caller's point, the starting pitching has to step up. Has to step up. Maybe he hit it right in the head. He said, we, we we got same team without Yachty, so we should be better. Maybe be without Yachty. That makes the pitchers worse. Yeah, that's a the big The pitchers loss. have been shit. Yeah, Yachty's been a staple there. since. What year did he come up? 2004? 
1932. Like Yachty, I'm pretty sure he was the catcher in 2004 when the Red Sox played the Cardinals in the World Series. So this is it's really about one guy, though, right? In terms of if we're going to talk about Yachty's impact, it's it's Michaelis, because that's the guy who was their best starter last year and has been really terrible over their most innings this year, a 5.79 ERA. Like Montgomery's been good. Flaherty was essentially irrelevant last year and has been solid, fine this year. And Steven Matz was bad last year, right? And has been bad this year. And Jake Woodford really wasn't a part of the situation. So like I'm, um, I don't know. I think it's interesting. I, the starting pitching is unquestionably an issue though. And the offense hasn't been good either. It's 21st in baseball and runs per game. Um, oh. yeah. So yeah, oh. that, that is a good point. Like I feel like the the starting pitching has taken much of the brunt of this, but it's not like they're tearing the cover off the ball. And they lost last night because their bullpen faltered. Gallegos used dog shit in that ninth inning. So um let's hit one more, Jake. Hi, uh, yeah, this is uh Alex. Um uh, I have never seen a fucking team this bad in my entire life. I haven't even seen a Cubs team this bad. So you have Gallegos, who had a .6667 whip for the month of freaking April, and he comes in and, you know, welcome to May. Somebody's got to fuck up. Gallegos fucks up. And, you know, obviously you have Trout, but who? Jake freaking Lamb? Jake fucking Lamb? Are you fucking kidding me right now? And Ollie Mar Ollie Marmol has to get has to go. I don't care. I mean, DeWitt sell the team. I've never seen anybody so bad. That's two sell the teams. Owner in three calls. Got so much money, but he's a cheap motherfucker. Um, let's see. Oh yeah, the pitching. We knew the pitching was bad. What did they do? Nothing. They didn't do jack shit. And Wainwright's coming back and he's getting shelled in double A and triple A. I don't know, man. I'm done with this fucking team. God damn it. Uh, but I, I, this might be the first time that we've opened up the phone lines to a fan base where little to no sympathy is going to be given <laughs> because of their long lineage of winning. Like, we've opened up the phone lines to some real miserable motherfuckers, Phillies fans. And they ended up in the World Series the same year that we opened up the phone lines to them. But it was real bad at the time when we did. Oakland A's fans, they know real pain. They know real suffering. Chicago White Sox fans, they know real pain. Cardinal fans, they're just getting their first taste of pain and suffering. And it's only been a month and less than a week of this. The, so the last time that the Cardinals had consecutive losing seasons, was 94-95, and what you'll remember about those two seasons is that they were abbreviated to some degree. They have not had consecutive losing seasons, like full, full, full campaigns since, does anybody want to take a guess? No, 1958 to 1959, okay? Like, it's, it's a fucking, like, it's a joke. I'm completely fine with the Cardinals having a down season, if that's how it plays out. I'm sure they'll bounce back, T nitpick all you want. Like maybe ownership should spend a little bit more. Maybe there are some transactions by Moselock that have not worked out perfectly. Um, 
I think we detailed some of those. But this is also a team that, like, has been... (laughs) Okay, I'll say it. They've been gifted two superstars. Because, like, like, where would this team be without the Goldschmidt and Arenado trades? And those count. Those are in the positive ledger for the Cardinals. But, Mm -hmm. like... How unfortunate are you really? Um, I, I just, there's, there's no sympathy here. There's zero. And I yeah. said that going in and this can't be surprising. Yeah. And, and the whole thing about Nolan and Goldie is not just are they star players, so to speak. Like there's plenty of teams that have star players. Nolan and Goldie are top five MVP finishers. Just happen Every year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Consecutively. Yes. Um, Joe, do you think, do you think there's any way that the Cardinals can rebound or is this a, uh, is this a lost season? You, are you declaring the Cardinals season lost on May 4th? I don't know. Coming into the season, I thought the Cardinals were like a world series threat just because of their lineup. Uh, just looking at, I, you know, Sarah said a very interesting shit, uh, stat, not shit stat. <laughs> yeah, nice little shit stat. He had a shit stat that was honestly terrible, but I'm gonna say anyway, so I know. Uh about their stuff plus. Like their starting pitchers are the worst out of any team in terms of like their stuff. You know, they have terrible starting pitching. And like you can't just fix that really by being like pitch better, you know? Mm-hmm. And what are they gonna do? Like get more starting pitching? This goes back to last year when they were trying to trade for Soto and every Cardinals fan said that I was a piece of shit for saying they're not gonna get Soto. It's the last thing they need is another outfielder. They need pitchers. I said that. I stuck up for the organization. I'm a better owner. They should sell the team because I should buy them and make decisions like that. Mm-hmm. They don't have great pitchers. They have Wainwright coming back. Is he going to make that much of a difference at this point in his career? Probably not. So th- I, w- I would be very worried just because they're pitching and, and because of that and their bullpen. Which I don't. I only bring up the bullpen to bring up Jordan Hicks because this guy has the most insane shit ever and just doesn't isn't good somehow because it blows my mind looking at him throw like 102 mile per hour sinkers that look so insane and then have a four ERA every year. It doesn't make any sense to me. That is true. <laughs> like that same thing with Bruzdar Gratterall. Like he just got touched up uh, against the Phillies in the ninth uh, last night. Like some of the guys with the highest velocity and, and the sickest shit, not like very pedestrian relievers. Yeah, Jordan Hicks has a fifteen point nine strikeouts per nine. <laughs> a fifteen, <laughs> fifteen, and has a five ERA. Oh god! I mean, well, that kind of that aligns with something that I was gonna, you know, talk about later. But Craig Kimbrell's numbers, like his his fall off but we'll we'll save that for later if you're a phil's fan tune in i do think <laughs> I, I i disagree a little bit with not really what specifically joey said but the i i think this is very much still in play mostly because of the division they play in um yeah i think we can we can reevaluate our expectations for the cardinals and maybe turn them down by five or six wins based on preseason expectations but we can do that and also still think that they have a shot at winning this division because Again, even if we think the Pirates are better than they were going into the season, which is undeniable at this point, like you, you basically can't run off a month like the Pirates did and not be a respectable team. Um, 
So the idea that the Pirates are terrible, I think, is now pretty much out the window. Um, but I still think they have a fighter's chance at the division, even if it's been kneecapped since the start of the year. That is a fair and balanced take, Dehe. I try sometimes. It is. It's not like their pitching was that much better last year, and they, you know, they ran away with it basically. Mm. Again, I just uh, but it goes back to what they what what are they going to change to get better? Just start playing better, get a new manager. That could be smart. That's what I've been saying since day one. Worked for the Phils, dude. I think you can expect Michaelis to pitch better just based on track record, but I I think Stephen Matz is a legitimate problem. Um, because he's basically been bad since he put on a Cardinals uniform. Um, and they didn't pay him massive, massive dollars, but they paid him to be, you know, a mid rotation starter for this team. And he has a 570 ERA and 16 games started for them. Um, so 21 games overall. So that's not going to work. And I don't know if that's fixable. Maybe it's not. How many fantasy baseball leagues are you in, Jay? Hey, two. Okay. How long, how long has the, um, the one that's existed the longest. How long has it existed? They both started in 2007. So I've played. Them okay. Yeah. So I've been been playing for quite a while. It's old school season long keeper league stuff. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I play with a mix of high school and college friends. How many rings do you have? You probably run laps around. Like if they're just. I have like five and one, in five a- in one league and four in the other. Yeah. <laughs> I've done okay. Um. Damn, I honestly would have expected more. Like, is there anyone that has more championships than you? Uh, between the two leagues, no. Uh, there's in one of the leagues, one guy has five and I have four. Uh, but he plays in the other league and only has two and I have five. So you know, mm. I mean, you, go. you know, he'll catch up maybe. Probably not. Maybe, maybe someday. Yeah, maybe someday. Um, Jake, one more, one more voicemail, just just for the people. I'm calling again because I'm so pissed off that my last voicemail took way too long long story short i'm just so pissed off a team with this talent should not have a 10 and 21 record on may 3rd it's so incredibly frustrating that i i really don't have any words i mean it's bad when i'm more excited for the st louis blue season off season i should say it's it's just it's fucking ridiculous i'm tired of the excuses from the front office I'm tired of saying we need to be patient because when you're 10 and 21, you don't need to be patient. You need to be fucking better. And you need to be better right now. It is ridiculous. It's pathetic. And our front office needs a goddamn ass whooping. <sighs> Love the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Also, oh. baseball might not be dead, but the St. Louis Cardinals sure the hell are. Oh. Pointed words. Pointed words for the Cardinals. Cardinal fans are throwing in the towel on the team. Um, All right. Uh, We've got a bunch of of other non-Cardinal related topics to talk about. If you enjoy those voicemails, we will have... uh, I'll probably sprinkle in a couple more as we go throughout the rest of the show. And then on the back end, I'll have a a highlight reel. Jake will put together um, some of the best of the best. But first, some beers can say that they're brewed for baseball, but only Blue Moon is brewed by baseball. Some uh, baseball and beer, uh, as you know, they just go together. And no beer goes better than one that was literally born in a ballpark. Blue Moon was created at Coors Field in Denver, Colorado. It's the natural choice for opening day and all season long. I am so confused on what day it is 
I keep thinking that like tomorrow's Friday. Tomorrow is Friday. Tomorrow is Friday. So I'll be having some blue moons tomorrow night uh, as the Red Sox are playing the Philadelphia Phillies. It's going to be a juicy one because it's the return of or it's a head to head combat between the Red Sox and Dave Dombrowski for the first time. I'm pretty excited about that. So I'll have Blue Moon in hand for that series with its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander. Blue Moon Belgian style wheat ale is a one of a kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Blue Moon was brewed by baseball to give you a dose of nostalgia and get you excited for the new season. Why strike out with the same old beer when you can get something that's one of a kind? It's bold flavor, bright explosion of color and iconic orange slice ritual guarantees a one-of-a-kind beer experience perfect for the spring weather best served with its signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful bright color a beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon but you can enjoy it all season long bring the ballpark to you with blue moon belgian style wheat ale it's a one-of-a-kind every time check out shop.bluemoonbrewingcompany.com for beer and baseball merch or you can visit get dot bluemoonbeer.com slash rocket to find blue moon delivery options that is get dot bluemoonbeer.com slash rocket blue moon made brighter celebrate responsibly blue moon brewing company golden colorado ale all right um we did talk about scherzer and we hit briefly do you have any other thoughts to kind of close the book on the mets discussion with justin verlander making his first start today is that something um adding one guy is that something that could i don't want to say change the course because i mean they're still they still have a a record above 500 but how much of an impact can justin verlander's return make on the mets i think adding the best pitcher in the al last year to that team can make a massive difference and my expectation for verlander is extremely high until i see otherwise um Mm. i mean i i they're not, I, I don't know, I haven't listed the pitchers in the NL recently, but I can't imagine there are more than a handful of pitchers I would take over Justin Verlander in a given start. Um, mm. Joe, does the return of Justin Verlander make you rattle in your boots? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you're the Mets, you got to be excited, but you also got to be scared because if this guy, you know, like we've talked to that a hundred times, old guy, injured guy, a mm-hmm. little bit injury, how serious, we don't know. Like, you, he, you better hope that he's as good as he was last year or at least close to it mm-hmm. because without Scherzer, without Carrasco. Now he's got to be the guy instead of one of the guys. He's got to be the whole, he's got to be five guys. Yeah. Once you think about the rotation in Houston, like you had Javier, you had Framber. Obviously, Justin Verlander is a big part of what they had going on. Uh, Luis Garcia, like they had arm and their bullpen was really good, too. So, yes, you had a Cy Young winning starter, but the Houston Astros dominated on their way to a championship because they were good throughout. Justin Verlander is only one guy, and his struggles in the World Series are well documented. And if you're a Mets fan listening to this right now, you're probably saying struggles in the World Series. You got to fucking get there first. Like they know how hard it is to get there. If you're an Astros fan listening, you're like, yeah, I know. You know, we'll definitely be in the ALCS. It's just a matter of if we win that. And then 
know, we could be back in the World Series and we'll see what happens when we get to the World Series. A Mets fan will sit here and be like, World Series? Can we at least get in the fucking playoffs? Can we a little bit of a rabbit hole? Mm-hmm. D- does anybody on this panel believe that Justin Verlander actually has an issue pitching in the World Series? I don't think it's like a mental issue, but I think the the numbers are well. No, 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 no. I know what they're not I, good. I know what the numbers are, but like he's yeah. he's had. I don't think he that, gets to the World Series and is like, oh, the World Series. I'm so nervous. That's and my I, thing. I don't like think it's that I do think there are some people, though, who say who say it and mean it that way that he can't no. handle the stage. And that's never made sense to me. Like. It, how would you be able to handle the stage of the LCS and somehow not be able to handle the stage of the World Series? Like it just intuitively doesn't make make any sense. I don't know. That's that's now as long as we're on the same now, especially like when you're pitching in fucking Yankee Stadium to get to the World Series I, in some of those years. I remember when fucking Portnoy came to KFC's wedding and uh, showed up at like the you know the the night drinking beforehand, and I got sucked into a Kershaw conversation. First time I'd ever met the man. And I was I was like, this is this is not at all the right venue for me to convey the points that I'm going to try and make here, like at a loud bar, like drunk, like with a guy I've never met before. It was (laughs) I'd still like to think I won the pulling up fan graphs at the bar. Yeah, like Hold hold on, Dave. Hold on. Do do you know what his ex FIP is in the postseason? Actually, have you heard of FIP before? (laughs) Do you know what that stands for? Sorry, I took this way off track. That's my fault. Acronym. Uh. Yeah, no, I, I've I fought that battle, too. I believe it was in 2017, which we never kind of we never revisited. Like when when his whole thing was Clayton Kershaw's performance in, in some of those games in 2017. And now we know like it has been confirmed that the Astros knew what was coming specifically against Clayton Kershaw. Like we never hit on like the, the Evan Gaddis drunk tweets where he was like, yeah, like we fucking like I knew it was coming against Kersh. <laughs> like it, it was sick. Like Gaddis is one of those dudes that is like, yeah, I don't have a Hall of Fame career to protect. I mean, I may or may not get asked to come back for 2017 World Series celebration card shows and shit like that. But my life is impacted zero by just throwing this out there that, of course, we knew what was coming in the World Series against Clayton Kershaw. So, yeah, but all that to say, I'm happy to have been on the right side of history defending Clayton Kershaw. And again, this is we could do its own our own separate podcast on this topic, but almost all of the great, the truly, truly great pitchers of our lifetimes have had complicated legacies in the postseason. And that to me is part of what makes baseball beautiful, because it's, you know, it's not just Kershaw. It's not just Verlander and it's not just Scherzer. It goes back to Greg Maddox. uh, It goes back to, you know, Roger Clemens. Randy Johnson at one point, I believe, lost yes. seven straight postseason starts towards the beginning of Correct. his career before he became like the fucking before he and Shill just kind of put the team on their shoulders and had that like that's what people remember. That's not how it always was with big unit. And we can we can keep naming guys, but I just find that such a beautifully fascinating part of baseball. I'm I'm gonna search my tweets right now because I know that I have used that comp to defend David Price, who's another guy, yep. the Cy Young Award winner that was just ass cheeks in the playoffs. But he eventually came around as well. Um, in his 2018 run, he was. Uh, where is it? Mm. Dude, at one, from 1995 until game two of the division series in 2001, Randy Johnson went 0-7 
with a 4.26 ERA in seven postseason starts. Like the noise level that would have reached like in present day about his inability to win in the postseason would have been astronomical. And then like literally right after that, he ripped off like some of the most dominant postseason pitching that we will ever see ever. It's just crazy. Yeah. Well, that was that was talking shitty starters in the postseason that were actually good starters. Um, Shohei Otani, just briefly, because we, you know, we obviously suck his dick a lot, and people are like, oh, too much Shohei Otani love. Could you imagine, right? Like, fifty years from now, and you've got a, a young baseball fan, and he wants to hear, but like, wow, what was it like to like live through like the Shohei Otani era? Like that guy actually existed. Like he sounds mythological. Let me go dig up some some baseball podcast so I can hear about like how great he was. Like what in real time? And then you pull up an episode of Baseball's Dead, and we're sitting here being like, people don't like that we talk about Shohei. So <laughs> they have Shohei fatigue, and they just they don't want to hear it. So, well, too fucking bad. I have no fucking time like for that. that. He's the biggest star of the sports scene, and God knows how long and. If you're going to talk out of one side of your mouth about how baseball stars are not marketed properly, then what the fuck are we doing talking about how the biggest star in the sport in the last 30 years is being talked about too much? Shut up. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's something that's like worth talking about, then we'll talk. about. He it. gives us something get... worth talking about every time because we've ne- still never seen anybody else do this. We talk about this <laughs> yeah, all the correct. time. It's still. You need to make a we're so jaded in in this in this world. You need to make a conscious effort to not become used to what Shohei Otani is doing. And even last night in a start that had plenty of stuff that was not his best, he still gave us something that was historically significant with 13 strikeouts and five fucking innings. And that is his own viewing experience, even if he's not completely shutting down the other team. It's only three other times that's ever happened. 13 strikeouts and five innings. In baseball history. Well, getting three hits. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I'm assuming yeah. De- the, the rest of the list is DeGrom, Alex Cobb, and Zach Greinke, because of course it is. Um, but I, I doubt very much that any of those guys had three hits in the game where they had 13 strikeouts in five innings. Greinke might have. We don't know that. I'll check that while somebody else talks. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's like my sister. Like she'll, she'll text me like, pictures of her dog they all look the same to me she's like, oh look at my dog did this and look at my dog did that and like eventually you're like i get it the dog's cute like i get it but like when you're doing something different like shohei dude struck out 13 batters in five i think he had like fucking eight like uh the first out recorded that wasn't a strikeout was in like the third or the fourth inning like he had eight strikeouts by the end of the third or something like that uh that how do you not talk about that? How do you not be like, what the fuck? Like, and to have three hits on Shohei, top of it. Like, Shohei dude, had, doubled in the ninth inning. He had three hits last night. Granky had seven hits in the entire season where he had that start of five innings pitch in 13. Like it's, he's just a completely different animal. And I don't know how many times we can say it, but well, hopefully it, most of the that, people want to hear about Shohei because he's still awesome. So diehard baseball fans obviously listen to this podcast. If you're more a casual baseball fan, maybe you listen too because you're like, I, I, I don't have time to like follow along. So I listen to the podcast to keep up with the sport. But just for story's sake, for a perspective's sake, one of my buddies 
uh, was going to the game on Marathon Monday. Shohei Otani versus the Boston Red Sox at Fenway Park. And he calls me the night before and on FaceTime so I can see his facial expressions. And he's like, he's like, yeah, it's kind of bittersweet. Like I'm going to the game tomorrow. And I was like, why is it bittersweet? And he was like, he's like, yeah, it's cool that Shohei's pitching. But like, he's like, I want to see him hit a bomb. And I was like, buddy, he hits on the days that he pitches. And he was like, what? Like, how? Like, how can he do that? Like, I thought that he just DH'd a couple times a week and he would prepare for his starts in between and he's got to conserve his energy. Like, I was like, no, like he he hits on the days that he pitches, too. And he was like, like, I saw his brain explode in real time. Like, I never want to become jaded to the things that Shohei is doing like that. That for me gave me new perspective. Cause like it is fucking insane that he does both, but to also, cause I mean, this is an outrageous comparison to make, but I remember like playing baseball and being exhausted that I had to hit and also pitch like on the days that I was starting, I was like, can you please like, please DH for me. Like I, it's fucking, I got to run the bases. I'm going to be out of breath. And then I got to run back. Like I'm sweating. And now I got to go fucking pitch and sweat some more like, no. So to do that at the big league level is asinine to be able to do that, not just do it, but to do it at the level that he does it. And, and I'll leave it at that because I know that people. Are, no, I got one more thing to say. When when we were in the baseball tonight green room back in the day, yeah. getting ready for the shows and stuff like that. And we would I would sit around with the talent and the producers and things. And one of the arguments that former players or coaches would say and we've all heard this, is the idea that like the relievers need to know their roles, right? They need to know when they're going to get up every day. They're, they need to know when they need to start warming up. They need to know this is my inning. This is when I'm going to appear. And I was always sitting there and I'm thinking like, these people are humans just like the rest of us. Like everybody, everybody else has to adjust. Like, uh, why are we treating these people like they're like the most fragile flowers that have ever existed in the world? And Lo and behold, what's happened since then is that bullpen usage has gotten much more flexible. But the point being is that like Shohei's to your to the story about you and your friend, like Shohei's doing all of this offensively on the days while he's pitching. And, you know, it was like 10 years ago where people were like, well, don't disturb Joe Smith unless it's the seventh inning on a Wednesday, you know, I mean, because he's not going to be mentally ready to pitch. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Joe, you have any thoughts? I mean, like, listen, Shohei, you know how I feel about the guy. Mm-hmm. It, interesting outing yesterday. The guy, the thing about Shohei is that if you watch the starts this year, he's wild as fuck, dude. I think he leads the league in wild pitches and leads the league in hits batters. I believe that's at least what my editor told me. Not a trusty source, but that's what I'm hearing. And uh, <laughs> that's what I'm hearing. And watching it, you can see it, bro. Like, I mean, he gave up, what did he give up? Four runs yesterday? Four runs, yeah. Two bombs. Three bombs? Two. It was just two? Yeah. I thought all his all the runs were home runs. Maybe not, but it's almost scary to think, like, if he wasn't throwing all these balls. Like, these balls aren't even close to the zone. Like, so many of these pitches are just, like, the batter doesn't even have to think about it. Like if he just threw them in the zone every time, no one's hitting the shit. Yeah. And I'm assuming like having all those wild pitches is what's leading to home runs. At least there's pro- like 
some of them because you know you're getting to accounts where you have to challenge no matter what i mean the only two two tough starts he had were because of home runs like against the a's he gave up like five runs in one inning had one bad inning against the cardinals he struck out 15 fucking people no he didn't 13 13. people (laughs) and just gave us some home runs but it's almost scary to think like he could be better than this pretty easily if you take like just fix that one problem I love the players that have two sides to them. Like, I can't think of a perfect example of a guy that is just like an asshole in real life and an asshole on the field or has that just fuck you attitude all the time. Like, there's no switch to turn it off. But Shohei is this cute, adorable, wholesome, innocent man And then even when you see him playing, sometimes he carries that characteristic over on the field, which is insane when you think about his skill set and what he's able to do as a baseball player. But then he'll have these moments. I mean, it first caught my eye during the World Baseball Classic in the at bat against Mike Trout, where he's just digging deep and he's like, I'm going to dominate you. And the whole like, I don't usually take BP on the field but I'm going to take BP on the field in this championship game to intimidate my opponents to, so they could see how far I can hit a baseball. And then last night, it, there was an at-bat against Wilson Contreras where Contreras was doing some rinky-dink mental warfare game, like trying to like delay or stall or mess with Shohei's timing. And all that did was piss him off and he just yanked a slider and just made Contreras look like a fucking asshole and struck him out. So like he has that in him where he can be this nice, wholesome, cute, adorable person. And when he needs to dig down deep to get that inner demon, it's almost like he can flip that switch on command. And when he does, you're done. Like we've we've never seen anyone come out the other side in good shape when he's had to get to that place mentally. So. Uh- yeah. And he's been doing that a lot more. He's been he's been yelling a lot this year. Every time a ball comes close to show, it goes, ah! <laughs> <laughs> he starts screaming and shit. And that's an interesting point, bro, because like, you know, if you look at like the greatest athletes ever, you know, they're always psychos, you know, like ultra competitive people like Jordan, Kobe, these people who will do fucked up shit in yeah. practice and stuff to people. And it's like Shohei's on that level of like, ath- like, to do things in sports that no one's done before. So like, you know, there's some psychology about Shohei that's different. And I don't think people respect that enough is like how, how psychotic he is about <laughs> baseball and like how that's the li- only thing he does. And the stories you read about him in Japan, like spending $2,000 a year and like giving all his money to his mom to manage it and staying in the team dorms while winning MVP. Like the guy only cares about this and he has that like fun loving like chill attitude where it's like a funny like cute show hey mm-hmm. but you know that's not the full story like the guy really fucking all he cares about is dominating people mm-hmm. so I don't know they gotta like dissect this guy's brain because that doesn't line up mm-hmm. he's so chill he's goofing around and shit but he you know there's something in him that wants to be the best baseball player on earth and he's gonna like die trying yeah and to do all that while being humble. Like, he doesn't have any quotes about, like, fuck you, I'm the best or whatever. Like, he's just no, he's a rare breed. 
he, he is. But I also, maybe I'm reading into it and looking at body language and stuff and delivery and stuff a little bit too much. But I also feel like he, he's humble while also, while also knowing. He knows. Yeah, he's not a fucking idiot. He knows what he knows what <laughs> yeah. he's to, But he also like he, <laughs> he'd have to be pretty fucking stupid not to know but, that he's the best player the, ever. But the best mm-hmm. player, the biggest star, he knows what's coming down the I, I just feel like sometimes the I wonder how humble he would come off if there wasn't the language barrier in between, because I think that that helps to kind of um some of the emotion and some of the intent gets lost inevitably. And that's not just with Shohei, that's with any translation that happens ever. And I, I want, I wonder how we would view him if, if that wasn't the way that we received his commentary. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I love the way that he just kind of, it's just such a quiet confidence. And I, I think it's very appealing from a athletic standpoint. All right. We got to take a break and talk about Zinn nicotine pouches. We're always talking about what a team needs to get to number one, but Zinn nicotine pouches are already there. Zinn has helped millions of people achieve a lasting change, earning the title of America's number one nicotine pouch. If you're a smoker or you're a dipper looking to make a change, look no further than Zinn. Zinn is made with six simple ingredients and is available in a wide range of varieties, including spearmint, citrus, and even coffee. And it's available in two strengths so you can control your nicotine satisfaction. Because it's discreet, you can enjoy it anywhere, anytime, so you never have to miss a moment of the game. Plus, every can of Zinn earns you points towards premium items like tailgating gear, top-of-the-line tech, Zinn swag, even gift cards. Find your Zinn at your local convenience store or online at Zinn.com. That's Zinn, Z-Y-N.com. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Um, the New York Yankees continue to uh, be plagued by the injury bug. Brian Cashman spoke to reporters before the game yesterday, in which the Yankees did win. They walked off on the Cleveland Guardians. But it cost them um, Oswald, Peraza, and Harrison Bader to to be able to pull this off in the same inning. I think that it was the top of the ninth that they lost Bader, and the bottom of the ninth that they lost Peraza. But here is here's Brian Cashman telling you guys, don't count out the little engine that could New York Yankees. Unfortunately, you know. Uh... In the position we're in, we're going to be thankful that it's a long season because we're banged up so bad right now. If it was a short season, we'd be taken out. Uh, but we have time to make up ground, um, and we're going to compete with who we have here, and we look forward to getting who we need back you know, at a later date. Don't give up on us. That's all I can tell you. Don't count us out. Don't give up on us. You know, uh, We got a, a good group of people, player-wise, staff-wise, support staff-wise, it's a championship caliber uh, operation uh, from that perspective. But we're not currently flying, you know, uh, you know, at the level that, you know, we would have expected because we're missing some really important pieces, which I think anybody would acknowledge. But in the meantime, it's also part of it and you got to withstand it. So um, we got to find a way to continue to, to tread some water at the very least um, and not slide too far out of it. Why, uh, why we're waiting on some important pieces to come back. 
True or false, the Yankees are a championship caliber organization in 2023. False. Why? I don't think they've been championship. I mean, real championship contenders since, I don't know, man. I mean, not recently. I feel like they've always, you know, their lineup isn't as beastly as I think people just kind of assume especially with the injuries, especially if Aaron Judge isn't playing. I mean, the guy carried the team the whole year last year. Mm -hmm. They had one and a half good months last year. But we all knew they were going to lose to the Astros. They got swept. And that was probably their best season recently in the past five years, roster-wise. I mean, just go through their lineup and like... The Yankees... It's not great. Let me ask you, Joe. Where do the Yankees rank in runs per game in Major League Baseball? (laughs) <laughs> probably I'm going to guess 26 24th mm. it doesn't surprise me bro I mean Oswaldo Cabrera Jose Trevino Jake Bowers Bader for one game Jake Willie Bowers did a home run last night <laughs> Willie Calhoun hit a home run last night too so you better fucking watch your mouth Glaber Torres Volpe DJ LeMahieu Anthony Rizzo those are like the two guys who are like names that have proven to be like beast for multiple seasons but like right now that's terrible. It's not good. But they keep, I mean, they, but they, they won. They won the baseball game and <clears throat> losing Aaron Judge for any amount of time. That's what scares me is like if it were like a little hammy pull. All right, fine. Like that's, that's a nagging injury. It sucks. Um, you've got to sit out until that feels better. But a hip, a hip on a guy that big. Now I'm like, oh, fuck. Like that's, the writing isn't on the wall. Like maybe he does come back when he's eligible to come off the injured list. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I've said that before. And I think that you know that I'm not a doctor. But as a fan, given the size of the athlete, given the nature of the injury, the hip concerns me for a guy that essentially depends on his torque. That's that's how he's effective as a baseball player. Like, yeah, he's turned himself into a pretty good defensive outfielder like he know he can play center he can play right like he's 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 good out there he knows he knows how to play the position or positions plural um but how he brings value to the new york yankees is his power and the hip that's where all the fucking the lower half that's where all the power comes from that's not something that i want to hear and to your point joe if you lose aaron judge for any significant period of time it's not like they built themselves a cushion that they can absorb the blow of losing Aaron Judge over time. Aaron Judge hopped off at the worst possible time. It's like, hey, we've sucked. We're in last place in the division, in the best division in baseball. And now you're going to lose me for an amount of time when you don't have John Carlistan. Because John Carlistan, everyone just kind of writes this guy off. Like, that's a guy that, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's a nice little complimentary piece. Dude won an MVP, hit 60, what, 60, 59. He hit 59 home runs the year before he came to the Bronx. He's more than capable of picking up the slack without Aaron Judge, but you don't have him either. You knew that, uh, you know, you you talked about the the series against the Houston Astros. How do you stack up against them? Not well, because your your prized offseason acquisition, a frontline starter in Carlos Rodon, well, he hasn't thrown a single pitch for you. And it sounds like it's not going to be happening anytime soon either. 
And then you look at the like where where are the reinforcements coming from? Is Luis Severino coming back anytime soon? Now they're saying late May, early June. And and with his injury history and how things have worked out with him when it's like, yeah, you know, we'll get him back at some point. Will you? Will you? And when he comes back, is that a guarantee that he's going to stay back? No, given his history. So they've got real problems over there. Brian Cashman can say whatever he wants. Like, don't give up on us. Don't count us out. We have a championship organization that we're trying to run over here. In the same way that we just talked about Justin Verlander and the New York Mets, how he's only one guy and he can't just drag the Mets to the finish line in a division with the Atlanta Braves. Garrett Cole is only one guy and he only plays every five days and he can only do so much because he's not playing nine innings. He might give you seven shutout innings. That's great. But then you hand it over to a Yankee bullpen that, by the way, love Aaron Boone. But I don't know that he's pushing all the right buttons as it pertains to their bullpen either. I think if you were to poll Yankee fans, hey, uh, how's Aaron Boone doing this year in terms of putting the right guys in the right spots to, to get the right outs at the right time? Not well. I don't think that that grades out well. So Garrett Cole's essentially your best player. He can't impact the game every single day. Uh, even when he does on start day, uh, you, you still hand it over to a bullpen where you've got guys that are fucking up out there. And you've got a manager that's not exactly putting guys in the right spots to get to get victories. And that's why you find yourself in last place on May 4th. I have to push back on one part of this, though. <laughs> I, I, I refute. There's no way I can be convinced that they have not been World Series contenders recently. They were in the ALC. If you are in the ALCS, you are a World Series contender. And I. And, but yeah, but, no, 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 no. no. That, mean, that is you are the, one of the final four teams. <laughs> And you are one series away yes. from making the World Series. They won a hundred. Yes. They won ninety nine games last year. They had a. Pythagore- did you give them a shot to beat the Astros? Did yes. You have I any- think we are completely rewriting. We are rewriting history. If you are saying that they had no chance to beat the Astros last year, that uh, the Astros should have. And- after watching that, after watching Aaron Judge turn into a pumpkin, and the whole narrative <laughs> that the Yankees weren't shit. If he if without Aaron Judge last year, he was bad in the playoffs. It, that that's fine. That's they fine. Didn't that's have a, a, that's an after the fact. That's Houston. an after the fact assessment. Going into the playoffs last year to say that they were not World Series contenders, I'm sure that the DraftKings sportsbook, if we were to pull up, maybe Jake can pull retroactive stats. Uh, I'm sure whatever their odds were prior to the start of the postseason would suggest that they were World Series contenders. And that only would have increased when they made the ALCS. Furthermore, they want a hook was off. Then they want 100 games in 2018 and they want 103 in 2019 advanced to the ALCS and lost in six games in the second of those two. Uh, If we are, I'm fine with the idea that the 2023 version of the Yankees roster is diminished relative to where it was in the 1819 period that I'm talking about, maybe even relative to last season. But if we're saying that they have not been recent World Series contenders, we are judging them by a standard that is completely different than every other franchise that we're talking about. Um, and and they, and again, this is a different Yankees team than what we experienced in the 90s or even the early 2000s relative to their spending. Uh, sorry, with their spending relative to the rest of Major League Baseball. And we are probably never returning to the 90s version of the Yankees under the original Steinbrenner. Uh, the game is operated in a different way, and these this ownership group is clearly operating the Yankees in a different way. So if you want to complain about that part, that's fine, that they're not blowing other teams out of the water and they're spending. But to me, they have they have been 
one of the inner circle World Series contenders for the last half decade. No question about it. I mean, last year they they bare, I mean they they won five games against the Guardians. Last year they had a one and a half good months, two months, whatever. They had the best start of the season. That's why they won all those games. But everyone going in the playoffs was like Yankees aren't as good as everyone thought they were. They had 107 runs scored and 567 runs allowed. That is not one good month. They had an insanely good month. Two, 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 two. (laughs) Two months. They won 99 games last year. The shape of how they won those games uh, is is not as important to me. They also won their postseason round to advance to the ALCS. If you are in the ALCS, you are in World Series contender. No offense, the guards. The guards are one of the teams in baseball. We can only discredit so many teams. (laughs) We're eventually going to get to a point where it only counts when you beat one team. Like that, I mean, you may, you're, it's a good point, but it's kind of like what I'm saying. I think the AL is so top heavy where they have like one contender. You're right. If you say the Yankees aren't World Series contenders, that means you basically just are saying, okay, then the uh, Astros are going to be in the World Series this year. But then you also say, yeah, that happens every fucking year for the past seven years. They're the only World Series contender in the AL, except for the Mariners. If you want to, but that's, we're going to get back to that later. We're going to get back to that later. They're not doing good right now, but I picked them for the World Series. But the Yankees are overrated every fucking year, dude. They're not that good. There are plenty of reasons to nitpick on how the Yankees organization <laughs> is operated. If you want to say that they don't operate on the absolute cutting edge, like maybe the Astros or the Rays or the Dodgers or stuff like that, then that's probably a legitimate complaint too. But this this is a roll out of bed, you know, 90 plus win unit every single year, basically, of our lifetime. Um, and more often than not, it's it's closer to ninety five or a hundred. But to Jared, to both of your points, I mean, this current twenty twenty three roster has issues. It does, big issues, big issues. big issues. Because I think when you, you're dealing with injuries, where there's a light at the end of the tunnel, you you at least know what you got. You know what to expect. I don't know what to expect from. Luis Severino in terms of when is he coming back and is this going to be a recurring issue if he does come back um, with, uh, I mean, I haven't even mentioned Donaldson and I'm sure that there are Yankee fans listening being like, Oh, Donaldson, like that's not like a key cog to what we got going on. Um, But the whole judge hip thing. Yeah. Like I, I don't love that. I don't love that. Uh, We also always forget about Stanton. But I think Stan not as important as Judge, but like just almost as important as Judge in terms of like the whole team and how scary they look on paper and facing a lineup. Like when Stan's playing, he's amazing, but he never plays. He's injured every year. I mean, the whole team's injured every year. But if you don't have Stan and you don't have Judge, you're basically relying on like, like right now, DJ LeMahieu and Rizzo are like the two guys who, you know? And then, you know, Rizzo, Rizzo and LeMay, probably the probably most consistent guy you got. Peak. I, I do think it's interesting that at the time they acquire Giancarlo Stanton, I don't think any Yankee fan or any baseball fan was anticipating that that would be the only big offensive piece that they went out and added. Because the conversation at the time was, look at all these free agents coming up. Look at these crop of generational superstars that the Yankees are going to have their, their pick of. And we can name the player that that applied to, Manny Machado being 
the first one that comes to my mind, at least. Um, Harper, 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 Harper is, yes, yes, Harper's yeah. Harper Machado for sure. Um, Harper Machado Correa, and they didn't get they they. I don't remember them being particularly aggressive in any of those conversations. Um, I think Bryce said I, I when just, we interviewed. That's an that inflection the point for me. Call. That they kind of. I know they signed Garrett Cole, but. Go ahead. Sorry. You 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 were gonna say uh, something about Bryce. Oh, I, I yeah, I cut out. Um, I I said uh, when we interviewed him, he said the Yankees didn't even call. Which I don't know. And Stanton obviously has not has not been on a consistent basis what they expected and what they needed him probably to be to to be at their full capacity. So and the Donaldson thing, like. Listen, Yankees fans can say probably correctly that he's not a key piece of what they have going on in 2023. He was acquired with the idea of being a key piece for what they've had going on since his acquisition. And the fact that he's bad offensively, I know his defensive numbers have have stood up last year, but the fact that he has tailed off offensively has been a disastrous acquisition for the Yankees. Well, who do you guys think is better right now? I mean, I say right now, but like who's better? The Orioles this season? Going forward, or the Yankees? I'll take the Yankees. From this date forward, I'll take the Yanks for sure. Uh, I will take the Orioles. Yeah, if it, that's a toss-up to me, it's like, you know, <laughs> are you really contenders? Like, I guess you can make a splash. And if you get in the playoffs, you can win the World Series. But like looking at the AL teams, Rays are better. It's a toss-up with the Orioles, the Blue Jays. Better than the Yankees. The Guardians, it's a battle every year in the playoffs when they play each other. And then Seattle and Houston, I'd take both of those teams over the Yankees. You forgot an AL East team. That's better. That's better. The fucking Boston Red Sox are like, I mean, if the Boston Red Sox play the Yankees in a playoff series right now, would you be surprised if the Red Sox had the a Red viral Sox, song? The and Red everyone, Sox would be favored. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, yeah, you're probably right, actually, with the injuries. Yeah, with the injuries, like if they were to have probably, to play yeah. right now, that that means no Judge, no Stanton, no Rodon, no fucking Donaldson. Like, yeah, no Severino. The Red Sox have their injuries too, but I mean, the Red Sox have the better record. That means that they would have home field. Let's say, what is it, best of three? Because they wouldn't be division winners. Like, we're not talking about best of seven series. Best of three, and you got to play all three at Fenway. Yeah, yeah, I like my fucking chances, especially because Garrett Cole sucks at Fenway. There goes one win. So, Kluber revenge, the Klubot. He loves that nickname. If you ever see him in person, <laughs> call him that. Honestly. I never really got it. The guy seems really fun and shit. Like I don't understand the name, but it's a it's a good nickname. He loves it. Uh, baseball season's rolling. It's the best time of the year, and there are games all day, every day. And when I'm watching all the games and recording all these podcasts every week. It can be tough to get a handle on it all, but thanks to Xfinity 10G network, I can stay on top of everything. With Xfinity 10G, you can power an entire house full of devices with ultra low lag, so you and everyone you know can stream every single game at the same time and never miss a pitch. And if you're on the go, Xfinity has your back with millions of Wi-Fi hotspots. Introducing the next generation 10G network only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash 10G. Um, really quick before we get out of here, 
Uh, Max Muncy, walk-off Grand Slam. Walk-off Grand Slam. Let's see if I got that fucking clip. Let's let's hear some sound from that. I'll love to hear the sound of the walk-off Grand Slam. It's not enough to just talk about it. Let's see it. Let's be about it. Where is it? it was I a mean, a cool, a cool 36 run scored in three games while you're looking for that. Pretty solid. Didn't have to keep the pitch that he wanted to and not have a chance to still win this ball game. Max Muncy swings Uh-oh. at the first pitch, unloads down the line. <laughs> slam. Only needed one. He'll take them all. Yeah, Max Muncy walk off Grand Slam for the Doyers, who go 6 and 0. Oh. On their homestand, kind of a separate conversation from where I was intending to go, because I did want to talk about uh, Craig Kimbrell and what the fuck happened to him over the last couple of years. But the Dodgers went six and zero on their homestand. They won eight out of their last 10 games. They're alone in first place. They're back to 19 and 13 after kind of a sputtering start. Not a bad start, but it wasn't a Dodgers start. They're 19 and 13. They're up a game and a half on the D-backs, two games up on the Padres, who they will be playing this weekend in San Diego. So I ask you guys, uh, is this it? Is this where the Dodgers run away? If they they win the take out the weekend, but you can add that in if you'd like to. Um, Is this the last time that the Dodgers, uh, like, are they alone in first place the rest of the way now? Have they cleared for takeoff? I think we got to give it a few. I think I think the Padres are going to beat them this weekend. I still have the Dodgers winning the division, but I don't think it's going to be a runaway division now. I still got faith in my Padres, dude. Those those guys got some bats. They do. Got some pitchers. They do. Um, Jay, hey, what are your thoughts on like? Is that is this it? Are the Dodgers alone in first place the rest of the way? I think this is my only regret as it relates to division picks. Like, I know I picked the Jays over the Rays and and hopped off on that, but I wouldn't call that a regret because I do think the Jays are a legitimately really good team. But I, I, I should have gone with the Dodgers. I think I got I got convinced by the shiny toys, and um, you know, once again, didn't adequately appreciate the Dodgers' organizational depth and just overall um, competence and. Um, I don't think they run away because I do still think that the cap on this Dodgers team is lower than it has been in previous seasons. But if I had to guess, I would say that they are winning the division in 2023 at this point. Yeah. If you were to put a number on it, how many games do they win the division by? Um, I would take the under on five. Okay. And <laughs> are sure. the Padres the second place team? Yeah, I would still go they with are. that. Although I, I think, I think the the idea that the Diamondbacks are a much more dangerous and scrappy team than most anticipated, I think, is totally legitimate. Um, I think I think the top four teams are going to relentlessly beat up on the on the Rockies this year. I think the Rockies are the only really bad team in the division. Um, hmm. um, Joseph, it, do you think that they're alone the rest of the way? I'm I'm right with Jay. Hey, I think they're going to win the division. I don't I don't think I don't see them like running away with it, especially not yet. I think the Padres are going to play better. But I think the the good point, I mean the thing that when you're talking about the the depth of the Dodgers, this has been geeking me out so hard is like James Outman, this guy 
who like no one knew who he was this season. He's been like top 10 in war, just dominating. He's a rookie. And then you look him up on Baseball Savant and it goes, James Outman, the 14th prospect in the <laughs> Dodgers organization. He's got like two war in like 30 career games. And what they just moved him up to eighth in the prospects list for the Dodgers. And that's just how legit these guys are. I mean, look at Jason Hayward's stat cast data. Like it's wow. all red. Out of since when is Jason Hayward this good? Oh, he just, you know, play for the Dodgers. It that's how it works. Yeah, I mean, we could credit it's the Dodgers. We could credit the Dodgers or we could get fucking real about it and credit the Baines meter. <laughs> or steroids. Or right. that's what you guys. Never mind. Um Jason Hayward's not on steroids. No, he's not. We could talk you guys will talk about whether he is or not. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't believe he is, in my personal opinion. Me neither. Okay. Well, you mean you had to ask a question, I guess. Yeah, we got to, you know, do the do the Dodgers give their players steroids? I mean, at one time, there was a there was a relief pitcher who may or may not have been taking some shit. Yeah. Well, but I'll that, be but that, that game is over. People. People, some people got that. Not everyone. Uh, Craig Kimbrell, just final thing from me. Craig Kimbrell uh, has been an abomination. It was, it was, it was nice to see his renaissance because, as a Red Sox fan, guy was unbelievable in 2017. Uh, people forget the story of the 2018 Boston Red Sox, how they won 108 baseball games and just plowed their way to a World Series title. A gentleman's sweep in the World Series. They, they, they basically beat the Dodgers five games to nothing in that World Series. Like the one game that the Dodgers won, the Red Sox had a lead in extras, and Ian Kinsler chucked the fucking ball into the first row. Uh, so the Red Sox won that series five games to nothing. But Craig Kimbrell was ass cheeks in that playoff run, and he was, he was not good towards the end of the season. They did all of that without having a legit closer. They had to go closer by committee. They had to get uh, creative and use starting pitchers in, in late and close situations. Um, but Craig Kimbrell signed with the Cubs and in the first half of 2021, which in which he was an all-star with the Cubs, a 0.49 ERA, a 0.70 whip, in a 15.7 strikeouts per nine in 36 and two-thirds innings. And then he got traded across town to the White Sox. And we mentioned that stint with the Dodgers. Now he's with the Phillies. So since being traded to the White Sox, and that counts his, his Dodgers and now Phillies um, numbers, out of the 113 relievers with at least 75 appearances during that time, Kimbrell ranks 99th in ERA. It's a 4.64. I would have guessed higher. Uh, because he wasn't terrible, I guess, with the Dodgers. Like, it was a mixed bag. Uh, 90th in whip, 135. 101st in uh, walks per nine, 4.45. But yet is still 13th in strikeouts per nine with an 11.84 K9. Okay. No, I just, I have a question for you when about yep. Craig Kimbrell. Mm-hmm. Like, is he a Hall of Famer? Because. Like this is part of this relates to the Kenley Jansen conversation that we were having previously, but like 
He has 397 career saves, so he's tied for seventh all time. Um, most of the people ahead of him are either in the Hall of Fame or will be in the Hall of Fame, um, but not all. K-Rod's not probably going to be in the Hall of Fame, and neither is John Franco. Um, but like that—that's the—that's the thing that we're going to have to like, rec- like grasp with the modern reliever is that yeah, Craig Kimball was awesome for like the first seven or eight seasons of his career. We're also going to get to a point where he spent like the final five or six seasons of his career of like a 14 year career being bad Um, because you're talking about the renaissance in the first part of 21. Like you skipped over 19 and 20. He was really bad in 19 and 20 in limited time. Um, So like this renaissance is this very, very brief window in like this season. Yeah. A half season in the final half decade of his career. Um, And just like. And, and about beyond that, beyond like the fact that he spent a decent chunk of his career not being good now, is the fact that he has 700 career innings pitched. And me personally, no matter how high leverage some of those innings were, and a lot of Craig Kimbrell's innings actually weren't that high leveraged because of the way that he was used as a closer in, early in his career. Nevertheless, even if those were high leverage innings, 700 innings compared to, let's say, Johan Santana. He, he has thrown a third of the innings of Johan Santana, who fell off the Hall of Fame ballot. And Craig Kimbrell is one of the great modern relievers, uh, one of the best relievers of the modern era. And I'm just struggling with the concept of him as a Hall of Famer. Because um, I don't I think we're... a comparison. Yeah. Um, is he kind of the Andrew Jones of relievers? Yeah, I mean, because he's basically he was great through age thirty and basically toast after that with the with a brief window as we talked about. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. difference being, of course, that being maybe the greatest defensive center fielder of all time, who also popped thirty five homers a year, is so much more valuable than being a one inning reliever, right? Um, well, yeah, value wise, yes. But yes, you're but right. I think I think that comparison is apt um, because Craig Kimbrell through 2018 was on a pace to exceed Rivera in saves like he was on pace to shatter Mariano Rivera's record so like with with Mo it's like that's a longevity a longevity thing where of just dominance into his 40s whereas like even like to kind of circle back to the um the uh, Andrew Jones comparison uh you you have that all-star season at 21 but he sucked in the second half right but then you have uh, the Andrew Jones blip on the radar in his 30s. It was what 2005, where he just had like a career high in homers. But yeah, there, there's just like a blip, and then he just went back to to not being that very good. Yeah. Well, who are like the relievers who are going to be in the Hall of Fame who are coming up? Are there any? So it's him. Him and Jansen are like the best current pitchers who are going to have Hall of Fame. I mean, Billy Wagner still needs to kind of work his way through. I'm assuming he's going to get in. Um, and then it's Mariano, Trevor, and Lee Smith are the top three all time. Those three guys are obviously all in. But after him, it's like, so Joe Nathan's at 377 saves, 10th all time. He's He's been on the ballot. He's not going to get in. Papelbon's situation has been, like that's, I guess that's to me the the question is like, where do we draw the line? Because I'm not, like Jonathan Papelbon had 368 career saves. Joe Nathan had 377 career saves and were basically dead on arrival for their Hall of Fame cases. And Craig Kimbrell has 20 
more saves than Joe Nathan and needs to be seriously considered for the Hall of Fame. I just don't really get. To me, Craig Kimbrell did not have a better career than Joe Nathan, uh, I guess is kind of the point. Uh, His peak might have been higher. He also threw 223 fewer innings, which is a lot when you're talking about 700. Um, So I don't know. That's. I know you were talking about where do we go with K- Craig Kimbrell from here. To me, that kind of, that conversation's almost done. Like I don't expect anything from Craig Kimbrell moving forward. Yeah, but could you maybe? I mean, listen, like he's I don't he's not a closer anymore for sure. Mm-mm. But if you look, if you know, he could probably get you good innings. There's a lot of bad relievers on teams. Totally. I'm I'm not saying he can't. He's not going to rip off a stretch of 15 or 20 innings where he's super effective. Like he still has 17 strikeouts in 12 innings. Um, so there's still a missed bats elements going on here. I just, in terms of, to your point, in terms of him being a reliable quote unquote back, you know, ninth inning high leverage guy you can trust. I I think that to me has been over since the downturn in 2018 that Jared talked about. Um, so I guess we'll see, which is just crazy because it's like, he still has, he still has the swing and miss. He still has the ability to punch guys out, but. He just walks a fuck ton and I mean, kind of like what we talked about earlier with like bruised our Gratterall and Jordan Hicks, like some of these guys that have ridiculous shit, you can still hit them and guys still get on base because it's so ridiculous that you're walking guys too. I do. To me, it's just going to be a referendum on how the 60 inning reliever is valued. The 60 inning dominant reliever who basically had eight years of being awesome and that's his career. What, what is the value of that player? Because the last, fi- the last five years of Kimbrough's career have not been a value add to his Hall of Fame case. Um, how valuable are 550 really, really dominant short burst innings? I'm For not a sure. guy that was like on top of his game and like a star in the league at one point, and a guy that played on my team that won a championship, couldn't tell you what his voice sounds like. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. He doesn't fucking talk. I would yeah. love to hear from him. Like, what is that psychological effect on you where you are just so dominant, where you're punching out guys left and right, like going down his career here, led the league in saves for the Braves uh, four consecutive seasons uh, as a reliever, had year multiple years of 100 strikeouts. Like we're talking 116 strikeouts with 62 and two thirds. 98 strikeouts in 67 innings, 95 strikeouts in 61 and two thirds innings, 126 strikeouts with the Red Sox in 69 innings. That was the 2017 season that I was talking about. Finished sixth in Cy Young voting that year. He actually finished as high as fourth and had a fifth place finish as well with the Braves. Uh, had a hundred strikeout season in that that 21 year where that was split up between the Cubs and the in the White Sox, and that was in 59 and two thirds innings. So. How do you just dominate in terms of strikeouts and still continue that domination, but have an absolute decline? Because if you watch, the shit is still electric. The velocity, it still zips. He's still throwing 98. Like, it is fascinating to me. I agree. And to hear from him. Yeah. All right, Craig, let us know, man. Yeah, let us know. (laughs) Hey, Jake, book Craig Campbell for us. Dude, I know what it is. It's the fucking stance, bro. He stands oh, up, he looks at it. you, and it's like you're, you're not hitting that shit. Anymore? You just you got to get walked. I mm. mean, 
He's walking, guys. Yeah. I mean, he He's is. a beast on the Braves, though, bro. Gave up yeah. seven runs. 2012, gave up seven, seven runs, runs all year. <laughs> ERA plus of 399. I don't give a fuck what you say. You can say nothing all year, dude. Yeah. That's... Mm. All right. Uh, any final thoughts from you guys? I just have one quickly. Uh, Dallas and I touched on yesterday the Shane Bieber thing. Uh, he went out and threw eight innings and allowed two runs. Uh, what I thought was interesting uh, is that it still didn't come with any swing and miss. He only had four strikeouts in eight innings. Uh, but what he did do is lean on the slider. He threw 44 sliders. That is his third most ever in a single start. And batters were one of 14 with 12 batted balls. Uh, off the slider so a lot of in play outs off the pitch last night um speaks to maybe a little bit of a new approach that's my final thought hmm, okay joseph i got a nice little th- final thought i got this cool tweet from codify oh I, uh, I don't know if you guys saw this but shohei otani's jersey he wore in the final for the wbc uh the bid for this jersey was seventy four thousand dollars uh, what do you think Mike Trouse was worth? Uh, ten thousand. Jay, five. Bingo! Exactly five, dude. Five thousand. Seventy-five k versus five k. I would have guessed that Shohei's went for way more too. Yeah, I mean, this didn't finish. I don't. I think he tweeted this out like during the. It might have gone for a lot more than that, both of them, but still. It's kind of crazy to see how much of a difference that is. 75K versus 5K. Yeah, like if you had asked me, like Shohei Otani's uh, Team Japan World Baseball Classic jerseys going up for auction, I would have been like, that's 250K easy. I don't think we can yeah, overstate. I don't think we can overstate how much bigger Otani's star is outside of the hardcore baseball realm than Trout. It really is exponential. They might be the first and fourth largest stars in the sport, but the gap between them in terms of how much it resonates outside of baseball, they're incomparable people. I won't stop until Shohei Otani is hosting Saturday Night Live. <laughs> I'll tune That's in. That's the true mark of superstar. With, with Ipe, bro. That mm-hmm. would be so dope. <laughs> if Ipe just translated for Shohei while he was hosting Saturday Night Live and doing skits, that would be great. Dude, Ipe is the real star. I love Ipe. Uh, Jake's takes? Uh, I just hope after three open voicemail lines that we get a, to take a break for a little bit because I got to tell you, listening to like a thousand people basically just want to <laughs> jump off a bridge for like the last two weeks is pretty <laughs> mentally taxing. <laughs> Jake, what's your Venmo? We'll, we'll, maybe we'll get Jake some tips. What's your Venmo? Uh, I don't think I have one. You don't have a fucking I've, Venmo? I have Cash App. All right, what's your Cash App? Hold on. <laughs> this is this is the uh, the mental tax for for Jake Fund. It's a J Y A S I fourteen sixteen. J Y A S I fourteen sixteen. Show Jake some love for putting together the voicemails. It's extra work for him on top of all the work that he has to do and all the work that he's going to have to do moving forward. Show some appreciation for Jake. 
Especially for right, a fan we'll give base one that lucky didn't person who Venmo's. Yeah, f- sell the team. Nope, the if one per- lucky person who Venmo's, Jake will give a free hat. From what kind of free hat? Baseball's dead hat. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll do that. I got t-shirts too. Free hat. Free hat and a t-shirt to one lucky person who Venmo's Jake a tip for uh, putting together all the voicemails that you're about to hear as we take you into the weekend. Enjoy your weekend of baseball. And we'll see you right back here on Monday. I mean, Otani hasn't given up more than three hits in any of his outings. And we come out here and the birds go on top and then we fucking blow it. Ollie Marmol is a piece of shit. I don't understand. Ryan Helsley had 10 fucking pitches and they pulled him. What the fuck? I'm done. Uh, Dallas is right. Bring in Bob Melvin or whoever. I don't know. Bring someone in. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I'm sick. I think I'm a Braves fan now. I'm tired. I'm sick. I, I, I get I get nauseous watching these games. It's over. The season's done. I, I've stopped watching. I'm done. Let's go Rays. Fuck the pussy-ass fucking Cardinals fans. Soft-ass bitches need to get over yourself and enjoy some real misery like some of the other fucking clubs out here. You guys win every other fucking year. You you went through the last 25 years seeing some of the best baseball players, the best right-handed hitter that ever played the fucking game, and now you want to complain because you have one losing April? Fuck yourself. How are we supposed to be even close to competitive with the pitching staff that we have? We're supposed to have this potent offense with, you know, a halfway decent pitching staff. We got Jordan Montgomery last year at the deadline. He's the only one that's been anywhere near competent so far in this pitching staff. Michaelis has been trash. Flaherty is supposed to be great this year. He's been garbage. Matt's is an embarrassment to pitching. We don't have anybody left. We have nothing but double-A pitchers to bring up. we got to make some trades here before the deadline, which the deadline is a long ways from now. We have absolutely nothing. The, the bats have shut off. There's no pitching. I don't know what else to say. This team sucks. It, I, we had such high expectations coming in, and we yeah we go out and get uh, Wilson Contreras, and they still keep fucking starting Kisner. What's he fucking doing? This team is trash. There is absolutely no way this team wins more than fifty games. This team sucks. What's up, Dallas, Jared, Jay, hey, Joey, Jake. So, Gallegos just blew that save, and um, I'm pretty speechless right now. Um, and, Jay, hey, I know you said on Twitter that there's no reason to feel sorry for Cardinals fans, or there's nothing for them to complain about, but I think this organization is borderline cursed at this point for the last 10 years or so. I don't know, maybe since Travis Ishikawa just sent them into, into oblivion in 2014. There's been some ups, but this is pretty bad, and I don't even know what to blame it on. Is it bad leadership because Yachty and Pools are gone? Is it the fact that the starting pitching is so awful 
that the bullpen comes in and is taxed, and then Gallegos and Helsley don't pitch for once every eight days because they're never winning? Is it because the lineup can't succeed, or is it because of the fact that the front office is legitimately scared to trade from any area of depth to actually shore up any problems because they've been burned so many times with their past horrible trades, giving up two starting pitchers who are probably top five in the National League right now, um, Randy Arozarena, and I don't even know what to do anymore. It's, everything feels reactionary to just a bunch of stuff that happened in the 2010s, some tragic stuff, and then some other things. But uh, it, it, it's baffling. I have no idea what to even call it anymore. And at this point, why even bother watching? Because it's, you know, I, I sound like a broken record. I sound spoiled because they've been so good for so long. But this is just beyond fucking frustrating. I don't know. Thanks for listening, guys. Long time fan. Maybe do some drafts sometime soon. I've missed Jay Hay killing you guys on those. Right, bros. Well.